Well, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Danny, and I'm so glad that you guys chose to spend some time with us this morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's that time of year. So Merry Christmas. Get used to it. If, uh, if you're the, one of those people that don't like the Christmas music on the radio, I mean, tough luck because you have the next couple of weeks. You don't have to be dealing with it. But it's in the air. Can you guys sense it? Right, right? Christmas is among us. Whether you like it or not, all the stores on Knickerbocker Ave, on Myrtle, on Broadway, they have Christmas decorations up. They have, they're selling plastic trees. There's ornaments. There's gift wrap paper everywhere you go. And you can get a peppermint coffee at your favorite coffee shop if that's what you're into. And that can only mean one thing. That means that Christmas time is here. Let me ask you guys this question. Think about this for a moment, okay? What's your favorite part of Christmas? This time of year, what's your favorite part? Is it how all the stores in the mall begin to play, you know, your favorite Christmas songs on the radio? Is it the holiday themed food that you begin to see on the menus in your restaurants? Um, real quick, my, my wife and I, Melissa and I, we went to Denny's this week and she ordered, you want to know what she ordered? She ordered a cinnamon sticky bun stack pancake smothered in icing. And nothing says more Christmas than trying to unstick your top pancake from your bottom pancake that's super glued by like an inch of cinnamon gooey stickiness, right? Doesn't that say Christmas? Well, maybe, maybe you enjoy, what you enjoy about Christmas is not so much the food and the songs and all that. What you enjoy are the memories that are made. You know, it's the conversations that you begin to have around the dinner table when you invite friends and family over and, and the conversations and the laughter that you share. You know, it's those visits from those crazy aunts and uncles that you love so much that you hadn't seen all year and they come over. Maybe you enjoy ice skating in Central Park if you like falling on your behind much or if you like taking a stroll past Rockefeller Center to check out the tree and the decorations and everything that's over there. Or maybe you like the scent of cinnamon pine cones in the air whenever you pass by your home goods store. What, what do you enjoy? What, what do you like? What's your favorite part of Christmas? You know, honestly, there's a lot of things that we can really enjoy about this Christmas season. But another thing this time of year tends to do, you guys know what else it does? It tends to heighten the emotions. This time of year heightens the emotions. For example, if everything is great in your life right now, right? Everything is like peaches and roses and everything's great, then the holidays can enhance the joy you feel. The holidays can enjoy the happiness and the hope that you sense. But let's say you're in a tough season right now. Let's say you're going through a difficult time. Then the holidays can, can heighten the opposite feelings as well. Uh, my wife and I, we were talking to someone this week that we hadn't seen in, in some time. And we were walking uh, through Knickerbocker Avenue and we ran um, into, into her. And so we just started making casual conversation. And I asked her, hey, how did your Thanksgiving go? How, how did it go? Just making this casual conversation. Well, when I asked her, her face immediately changed. And she actually, she began to tear up. And she told us that it oh, was quiet. You know, it was a quiet holiday she said she didn't do much and she just stood home the reason was because the holidays are not quite the same ever since they lost their daughter so as you can imagine for someone who's suffering through such a tragedy as that the holidays can tend to take on a different tone you know christmas time can heighten the emotion the joy or the sadness and the difficulties that we're going through 
But I would, what I would really love for us to take away from this Christmas time of year is that no matter what season of life you find yourself in right now, I want you to know this. I want you to have this reminder. And it's what this series is all about, is that God is with us. God is with us. In fact, that's what the whole Christmas story is about. It's about Creator God entering His creation. Creator God entering His creation for the purposes of redeeming all of mankind. And in the book of Matthew, we read what is our key verse for this entire series in Matthew chapter 1. Let me give you guys a little context first. In chapter 1 of Matthew, we learn how God's redemptive plan for all of mankind narrows down to this moment in history. A young woman named Mary becomes miraculously pregnant. And she's pregnant not just with any child, but she carries in her womb the one who will redeem all of mankind. It was a miraculously pregnancy. It didn't happen by normal conception. And that's why we call it a miracle and we don't call it Tuesday, right? Tuesday comes around every year. But a virgin being pregnant is a miracle. It doesn't happen every day, right? So it's a miracle and she becomes miraculously pregnant. And, and, and it's, it's a miraculous thing. It wasn't by normal conception. Mary and Joseph weren't even married yet. But just like the angel prophesied, Mary become, became pregnant. Now, of course, Joseph, who was engaged to be married to Mary, finds that she's pregnant. He finds out that she's pregnant. And here's what I love about this guy, about Joseph. It says in Matthew, it says this, Being a righteous man... And not wanting to disgrace her publicly, he decided to divorce her secretly. You see, Joseph seemed like he was madly in love with this girl. He was truly in love with her and he was an upstanding guy. And he didn't want to disgrace her in front of everybody. Here's a side note. For you single ladies, if you're single and ready to mingle, don't just settle for any jerk that crosses your path, right? Don't just settle for any guy. You look for that guy that's going to love you and treat you with dignity and the respect that you deserve. And above all, that he's seeking God above everything else. I love how Matthew says that he was a righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man. So ladies, don't just settle for whoever comes your path. You know, Joseph is probably hurt by this news as he finds out he's pregnant. I don't know if Mary told him a story. Yeah, an angel appeared to me and boom, I'm sorry, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, she's going crazy or whatever. Let me just try to divorce her quietly. But then an angel appears to him in a dream and he helps explain to him what exactly is going on. The angel tells him that the baby that's in Mary's womb is extremely special and that he will be the one to save the people from their sins. So this is where our key verse comes in. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. You have it there in your message notes. If you take those out and it's up here on the screen, let's read it nice and loud for the next four weeks. This will be our key passage, okay? Here's what it is. Ready? Let's read it together. Ready? Go. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see, guys, for ages, God seemed like this distant being. It seemed like he was up in the clouds, his feet up in the clouds somewhere, up in heaven, somewhere where the rest of his creation was stuck here on earth, miserable. There was a distance, and, and, and God might have appeared in various forms in the Old Testament to special people, quote-unquote, like, uh, like Moses on the mountain, 
or, or in the Old Testament, God had to be approached. You had to approach God. God wouldn't come to you. You have to go through something called the sacrificial system. And people would come and they would bring a lamb or they would bring some oxen or a goat and they would bring it to the altar, to the tabernacle so that they could slaughter it and the blood literally spill all over the altar for the atonement of their sin. But you see now, according to this promise, according to this prophecy, we wouldn't have a God who would be distant or removed from us. Creator would enter his creation through the person and work of Jesus he would be Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what this series is all about. Because we're in the Christmas season, and while I love peppermint, mocha, caramel, candy cane, pumpkin pie lattes as much as the next guy, what we truly celebrate and what we elevate at this time of year is that God is with us. Amen. And for every other world religion, Embedded into their theology is people attempting to get to a distant God by living a more righteous life, by working harder, by being good, by doing more good things, by being good people. If I pray harder, if I read more, if I live religiously, then maybe, just maybe, I can get close to God. I might make it to heaven. That's, that's every other world religion summed up in a nutshell. Only in Christianity. Do we have God loving his creation so much that he personally enters his creation so that he could rescue, so that he could redeem, so that he could reestablish the broken relationship caused by sin? And he does so through the person and work of Jesus. And if that doesn't put fire in your bones, I don't know what will. And for the next four weeks, as we enter the Christmas season, we're going to look at how God is with us in different ways places, whether in the good times, in the bad times, in the difficult situation, the hard times, no matter where you find yourselves. And today what we want to look at is God with us in the valley, in the valley. And so uh, let's look at Psalm 23, 4, which is our main verse for today's message. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. A lot of you guys know Psalm chapter 23 because it's a famous psalm. It's the one that starts off by saying, David saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? You guys know that psalm? And so it's a famous psalm. A lot of you guys um, know it. We're going to look at verse 4, at verse 4. So you have it there in your notes. Here's what it says. It says this, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here's the first thing I want you guys to notice as we um, take apart this verse and kind of have it explained to us and understand it and study this verse today. The first thing in your notes, the first fill in the blank is this, that going through a valley is not a matter of if, but when. Going through a valley is not a matter of if, but when. See, valleys represent those low times in our lives. It's those difficult seasons we go through in life. And the psalmist says, even when I go through the darkest valley. Did you guys see that? Maybe you want to just circle when I go. In, right there in your notes in verse 4 of 23. Even when I go. In other words, what he's hinting at is the fact that we are going to go through a valley. It's not a matter of if, but when. And I say this often um, around here. If you've stuck around long enough, you've heard me say this multiple times. I say this all the time. You're, you've either just come out of a tough season or you're going through a tough season right now 
or you're about to enter a difficult season. It's just the rhythm of life, right? Like you're either in a tough season right now, a difficult situation, you just came out of one, you finally are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, or you're about to enter one. You may have received some bad news about a loved one, or you've recently began suffering with some sort of physical ailment or some sort of sickness. You know, perhaps there's relational strife at home with family or at work with co-workers, which is, you know, bringing your blood to a boil and, and just creating all sorts of stress in your life. Perhaps there's financial struggle where it just seems you can never make ends meet and the first of the month comes all too soon. Going through a valley is not a matter of if, but when. And here's what's interesting, guys, that all throughout Bible, all throughout the scriptures, we read about different valleys. In the scripture, we're going to look at three valleys from scripture to see kind of what they teach us about. What, what, is they, what are they trying to communicate to us through this? The first thing in your notes is the valley of darkness. And that's the one that we just read in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. He says, even when I go through the darkest valley. And in those valleys of darkness, that's when there's a lot of confusion. Because you can't see in the dark, right? You, you don't know which way to turn. You don't know which way to go or what to do. You know, perhaps when you're in the valley of darkness, you feel alone or you feel isolated. You know, maybe you feel relationally disconnected. You know, perhaps you heard of a diagnosis of a sickness from, a, from the doctor that's going to cause you a long recovery time. It's the valley of darkness. The second valley that we see in Scripture is the valley of weeping. And Psalms chapter 84 verse 6 talks about this. It speaks of, the, of those that walk through the valley of Baca. And Baca translates the valley of weeping. This is when you go through those seasons in your life. When you go through uncontrollable weeping. Have you ever gone through that season? You know, those are those times in your life when you go through such emotional pain. And you go through such emotional agony that you cannot hold back the tears that stream down your face. Yes, you may have gone through this when you've experienced the sudden loss of a loved one, or if you received some bad news about someone that you love. It's the valley of weeping. And the last valley that I want to um, talk to you guys about today is the valley of fears. The valley of fears. And in 1 Samuel, we read about the valley of Elah. The valley of Elah. And it's the valley where David battled the giant Goliath. You guys remember that story? The story of David and Goliath? He battled him in the valley of Elah. And in that valley, the Israelite army cowered in fear. Along with their leadership, the king, king Saul, was scared to face the giant. They were fearful of the giant. And if you go through a valley of fear, you may fear some sort of important decision that you have to make. Maybe you fear, you know, what school should I go to or what profession should I chase down? What, what should I pursue in college? What should I study? Should I pursue that business dream that I feel God's placed on my heart? You know, the valley of fear may be one full of the what ifs in life. You guys ever ask the what ifs? What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if they think this about me? What if they think that about me? What if it doesn't work out? It's the valley of fears. Where do you find yourself today? Where do you find yourself right now in this moment? Do you find yourself in one of these valleys? Do you find yourself in the valley of darkness or in the valley of fears or in the valley of weeping right now in this moment? You know, as I've gone talking with a lot of people in the past few weeks, I'm learning that many of us are in one of those seasons right now. We're confused, we're in the dark, we're, we're weeping. It's a season of weeping, of hurt. Many of us are in one of those seasons right now. 
But this is why it's so important what David tells us next. It's number two right there in your notes, if you fill in the blank, is that God is with you in the valley. God is with you in the valley. He says it this way in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are what? You are where? You are with me. Would you guys just underline that part right there in your notes? For you are with me. And this is such a wonderful promise for us today. The fact that even when we find ourselves in the darkest, the most trying, the most difficult of times, God is with us. Isn't that comforting to know that He's with you? Are you going through a valley right now? He is with you. And while I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think about three Old Testament characters. You guys may have heard of them. They, they went through the fire. Literally, they went through the fire. One of the ways we talk about, when we talk about trying times, we talk about going through the fire, right? These three young Jewish men, they literally went through that. In the book of Daniel, we read about, about them. They were under captivity and under the rule and under the influence of a godless king and under a godless culture. And all of a sudden, a law was passed that would force all people to bow down and literally worship at a statue of the king. And these three Jewish men, of course, they were extremely convicted and they refused to bow down to another idol. Their loyalty was to God and to God alone. What was their punishment? According to the Bible, it says their punishment was to be basically thrown into a human-sized oven. And it's a barbaric punishment for refusing to worship the king. And if anyone anyone was having a bad day, would you guys agree it's these guys right here? If anybody's going through a valley, it's these guys, right? They're literally about to go through the fire. But after throwing them into the fire, the king looks into the furnace and he realizes something. The king says, didn't we throw three guys in there? What am my my eyes doing? What am I seeing? What is what's going on? And he says this in Daniel chapter 3 verse 25. He exclaimed, look, I see four men. Not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Didn't we throw three guys in there? What's, what's going on? And he saw a fourth guy. You see, in the fiery furnace, God was with them. In the heart of their most trying time, with their lives literally on the line, God was with them. And guess what? He is with you too. Jesus made this promise to the disciples and the book of Matthew is towards his ascension um, back into heaven. And it's a promise that we can hold on to it together. In fact, why don't we read this together? We're going to read a few verses together today, guys. So hang in there. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. You have it in your notes. And it's up here. Ready? Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It was a promise that Jesus gave to the disciples. And he gives to us that he's with us always to the very end of the age. So do you find yourself in a valley today? Take in this truth. Take in this promise that He is with you. God is with you. Here's uh, number three in, uh, in your notes. Is this, that you can find comfort in the gospel. You can find comfort in the gospel. It says it this way in Psalms chapter 23, verse today's verse even when I go through the darkest valley I fear no danger for you are with me your rod and your staff what do they do they they comfort me you see shepherds would use their rod and they would use their staff for many different reasons now I know 
you, most of us here, we're from Brooklyn. We don't really have like a cultural connection to that unless you have a flock of sheep somewhere that I don't know about. But, you know, but we're kind of culturally removed from that. Let me try to explain it to you a little bit. I want to list to you guys three reasons why David said in his psalm that the shepherd's rod and staff brought him comfort. We need to understand what a shepherd uses a rod and staff for to see why it comforts us. And so as I list these out, I hope that you're going to be able to see the gospel in these things, okay? Oh, what do they use it for? Here's the first uh, thing in your notes is sovereignty. It represents sovereignty. Sovereignty. All right, Danny, how does that represent sovereignty? Well, one of the reasons that the shepherds had a staff was so that he could count his sheep. He would count. You see, a shepherd would know exactly how many sheep were in his flock. He knew exactly how many were there. And so he would use his, his staff in order to keep track and keep tabs on his sheep and make sure that they wouldn't wander off. And if they did, he would gently bring them back. He knew exactly how many were in his flock. You see, for us, what that means is that we are known. We are known. We are known by God. We, we can know that we are cared for because Jesus knows our name. He knows your name. He knows the number of hair on your head. He, he knows you. Look at how Jesus said it. I love, it just connects so well in John chapter 10, verse 27. Read it out loud with me, okay? Ready? Go. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd, right? And he says the sheep, us, we know his voice and we follow him. You are known by God. He knows your name. He knows the struggle you're going through. He knows the difficulty you're facing. He knows you. He knows you by name. The second reason a shepherd would use his rod and staff is for protection. For protection. You see, the rod would provide protection for the sheep. Um, they, they, many times they would have the sheep outside, outdoors, right? In the wilderness. And whenever wolves or coyotes, foxes, or even larger animals like bears and, and lions would come to attack the sheep, to eat the sheep, the shepherd's rod was used for protection, to smack away the predator and to protect the sheep. You see, for us, this means that our lives, our salvation is not in our own hands, thank God, but in the hands of God. You see, our eternal security is in Christ's grip. And whenever our spiritual enemy attempts to rear his ugly head, Jesus, our good shepherd, protects us and keeps us safe. We are literally in the grips of Jesus. Do you guys ever try to play a game, you know, with, with your brother or sibling, whatever, like, or when you try to grab, like, the rope, the pull on the rope thing, whatever that's called, the tug of war, right? And, and the point is to try to have everybody else lose the grip on the other side. And everybody's tugging, trying to have a strongest grip as possible. But what happens? As soon as you tend to slip or the rope tends to slip out of your hand, you let go of that grip, you let go, you fall down, and you lose. You know, Jesus' grip is not faulty. Jesus won't let go. He has you in the palm of his hand. Salvation is of the Lord's, the Bible says. It's not yours. Jesus' grip is tight. It is strong. In fact, I love the next verse in, this, in verse 28 of John chapter 10. We just read verse 27 where it says, My sheep know, they hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Look what he says in verse 28. Let's read this one out loud. Ready? Go. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Would you guys underline that last sentence right there in your notes? No one will snatch them out of my hand. You see, if it was up to me or you, 
We may let go of that grip, but Jesus' grip is strong. And so the second reason that a shepherd would have a, a staff or rod, it was to offer protection, to ward away the predators from the sheep. And we are protected under Jesus, through Jesus. We are in his grip. The last reason is this. Um, the third fill in the blank there is direction. Another reason the shepherd used the rod and the staff was to guide his flock. It was to guide him. In fact, in the beginning of David's psalm, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. And a couple of sentences down says, He leads me beside still waters. Right? That's one of the jobs of the shepherd was to lead their sheep to clean water, to drink, or to fresh grass so that they can graze and eat. And so the shepherd would guide them, would direct them to wherever the nice, clean, green grass was, wherever the water was, so that they could drink. And he would use his staff to direct them towards that. For us, this brings us comfort because Jesus provides the way for us. He's the one that gives us direction. We find direction in Jesus. You see, when we're lost and when we're astray, Jesus brings us comfort by leading us to himself. This is the way Jesus said it. I love this verse. I know you do too. Let's read it out loud. John chapter 14, verse 6. Ready, go. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus directs. Jesus guides. He's the good shepherd that brings us to himself. And if you find yourself in a valley today, then I want you to know that God is with you. It doesn't mean that you have some magical solution. Don't hear me wrong. There is no magical solution to your problems. And I quite despise preachers and pastors that teach otherwise. Come to Jesus and everything will be better. Okay, Because I don't see that happening. In fact, I know lots of Christians going through very difficult situations in the Dominican Republic and Haiti and in Honduras. And they come to Christ and everything is still hard. And everything is still a struggle. And so we don't have a magical solution for you. God is not a genie. Right? You come to Christ and He will be there to comfort you. He will be there to guide you, to direct you. He is with you. It says in His Word that He will never leave us or forsake us. And He's promised that to you. If you're here today and you haven't accepted God's free gift of grace through Christ, then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that today. You see, God says He will never leave us or forsake us. But there is one moment when Jesus was on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, and he cried out in a loud voice. He said this, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, on that cross, Jesus was forsaken for you and for me. He was forsaken so that we wouldn't have to be. Our sin led him to that cross. Jesus was the only perfect and able sacrifice. And the punishment for our sin was God's wrath. And it was poured out on Jesus. It was satisfied in Jesus so that you wouldn't have to absorb the punishment of God's wrath on yourself. It was poured out on Jesus. And the Bible says that all you need to do is accept this free gift of grace. It's Christmas time, and we're going to be giving tons of gifts away, right? And all you have to do, when somebody gives you a gift, you don't hand them a, a credit card or a check. You, you receive the gift, and you open, and you enjoy it. And that's what God's free gift of grace is through Jesus. 
It's a free gift. You can't, you don't earn it. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you can do. You don't have enough money. There's not enough righteousness in you that can pay for the work that Jesus did on the cross on your behalf. All you have to do is receive it. And if you haven't made that decision today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. When you came in, in the bulletin, there's a connection card. If you guys would just whip that out, there's some next steps for all of us that are here. There's some next steps for you. And Stephen will come up here in just a moment. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, But there, if you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that's your next step. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to ask you to check that off because as a church, we want to come alongside you. We want to help you in this journey. We want to give you a Bible. We want to walk with you and help you in this journey. Are you going through a tough time right now? Do you find yourself in a valley? Then I want you to know God is with you. You guys join me in prayer? God, we just thank you because so many of us are in different places in our lives right now. Lord, as I talk with so many people these past few weeks, I know many are going through difficult situations. Many find themselves in that valley. Somewhere in the valley of darkness, in the valley of weeping, in the valley of fears. But God, wherever we may be, wherever difficulty we're facing, God, I pray that you would, be, that you would help us know that you are with us. You are with us. In your word, you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. So even when things are rough, even when things are difficult, God, you are there. So help us, God, to take our trust and our faith off ourselves and to put it wholly and completely on you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here right now, those that are going through a tough time. God, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage them. And God, several names come to mind right now that are going through a difficult situation right now. Lord, wherever they are, right now, God, would you be with them and visit them and help them and help them know, God, that you are with them. We thank you, God, for this great truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.